Learn more about the albums you love with Dissect, a music analysis podcast hosted by me, Cole Kushner, a lifelong musician and composer. Each season of Dissect dives deep into a single album, forensically dissecting the music, lyrics, and meaning of one song per episode. Our newest season is covering Tyler the Creator's Igor, a beautifully honest album in which Tyler explores love, communication, masculinity, and truth. Listen to Dissect today only on Spotify, because great art deserves more than a swipe. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome to Food News. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm David Jacoby. Let's put 30 minutes on the clock. 30 minutes. Welcome, everybody, to the COVID edition of Food News, because I have COVID. Jacoby and I are not in the same room. I just always feel like I need to disclose that when it's the case, maybe mm. because I, just, I feel sad about it. But Jacoby, how are you doing? Do you miss me? I do miss you. And you definitely like hit the food news text this morning being like, I've got COVID and me and Mike are both like, oh, we're so sorry. We're so sorry. In the back of my mind, I'm like, am I doing the show or not? But I don't want to be insensitive. <laughs> and then Mike finally had to be like, so uh, glad you're feeling okay. Are we doing the show? And I told my wife, I was like, I, she just said she had COVID, but I don't want to be rude and asking for doing it or not. But this is like a big hole in my day. I need to figure it out. So thank well, you so much it. for coming through for me for Joey, my wife, for Mike, and the food news listeners who we'll hear from later on in this pod. Let's get into the news. We got some record news. Um, a man in New Jersey came to New York City where he broke the record for the most Michelin-starred restaurants eaten at in one day. He ate at 18 Michelin-starred restaurants in New York City in the course of 11 hours. Now... This is an article in the New York Post. The New York Post did some real journalism. They followed along. Followed with him, him all day. They at one point they're like, and then after this restaurant, he ditched the blazer. I was like, this is the level of detail I didn't need, but continue. And part of the level of detail is telling us everything he ate. And I think it's a, actually a stretch to say that he had he did eat something at yes. 18 different restaurants in 11 hours. However, he didn't really have full meals in that. But I'm not saying he has to, but like. Let's just be more specific with our language here. Let's talk about what he did, which is he ordered something that could be eaten quickly, quickly and easily. And prepared quickly. And also didn't fill him up. I noticed very low on the carbs yes. on this. Also, and I noticed none of it sounded good. It was a good strategy, by the way, lo low carb and eating quickly. But that just yes. seems like a hack. Like that's not actually sitting down and having the Michelin experience at 18 different Michelin-starred restaurants in 11 hours. Yes, and I also feel that he definitely called them and said it. he was part of this stunt and he would be followed by the post. So I, I, there's a little bit of like a PR angle to it that I didn't yeah. love as well. Like, I don't feel like you could actually Michelin get guide? these kind of reservations back to back to back just conveniently in New York. Did like Michelin set this up? Is this like a tourism article or something like that? Well, another thing that I'm learning is like you can break a Guinness World Record, but then it takes them like six months to like verify you. <laughs> I feel 
feel like we just talk about the Guinness Book of World Records so much on this podcast. It's hard to believe there's so many people and so many records. Well, great transition. <laughs> there's another one for the world record for most pubs visited in 24 hours. And this record has been broken three times in 2022 alone. I mean, or excuse me, in the last year. So, I mean, this one just needs to be harder, I guess, because... <laughs> Yes. And then there's, again, there's that gap of like, I broke the record. I send in the paperwork to Guinness. It takes them four or five months to verify it or whatever. And then someone else breaks it in that time. So you might right. not even hold it. And also, you know, yeah, you don't, your name never gets written down or committed, committed to history or whatever. It's a real bummer if that's the case. But, and in a couple instances, they went to a bar and drank Diet Cokes, which again, that should not be allowed. That should not be allowed. I know. And they slept for 12 hours in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, this one guy, his last name is de Villiers. He, uh, he set out with his brother and his friend and at, on Thursday, February 10th, and they hit up pubs until midnight and then took a break, assumedly for sleep. And then they continued until five the next day. It's just like, that's not really like the fun that we were break? looking for. How long are they sleeping for? That's just like going out. That's just a regular, <laughs> yeah, that's just like yeah, being yeah. on a trip. <laughs> yeah, good point. That's called a vacation. That's not called yeah. like a feat in which you deserve a plaque for. Or for, for some people, that's just a weekend, a, a Friday and, and a Saturday. So, I mean... I don't know. Am I impressed? I don't think so. I don't think so either. And the Diet Coke's part really got me. You should, you should have know. to have at least like half a beer at each one of these places. It's, like I agree. Court. All right. Let's move on. This is a really this is a really hot topic. Jacoby, I'm throwing it to you. Tell us, tell us what happened with the bratwurst queen of Cincinnati, the Cincinnati area. It all starts in Bucyrus, Cincinnati. Ohio. At the Bratwurst Festival. Abigail Brockwell has been named queen. Now, how, what that competition is like, what the queen's duties are. I know you get a sash because I'm looking at her picture. She gets a crown, but I don't really know what the Bratwurst Festival queen does. Okay. However, <laughs> Me neither. I know what they're not allowed to do. What they're not allowed to do during their reign as queen of the, the Bucyrus Bratwurst Festival. <laughs> you're not allowed to attend a dinner hosted by the Baltimore Bratwurst Festival because you need to be loyal to your local Bratwurst Festival, of which you are royalty. I didn't know that. Abigail did not know that. Then they dethroned claimed, her. She claimed she didn't know. Just want to throw point. that out there. Great point. She they, claims. They dethroned her, and now she's got a lawyer, and they're trying to get public records because they believe that the city helps fund this, so all information should be public. They cannot get the public records that say why she has been dethroned. We believe it's because she attended the Baltimore Festival. Now, there's some interesting parts at the bottom from the quotes from the lawyer that says that everybody on the board of this Bratwurst Festival, they're either close friends or family. So there's not a diverse uh, perspectives on this board. A lot of biased people. Exactly. So I think that, that we need to investigate this board. I think we need to find out why Abigail was dethroned. And I, I think that she deserves to be the queen of the upcoming Bratwurst Festival. So now, you're, not, you're not willing to, to leave her behind. Well, I will tell you, Jacoby, the festival is in August. So I think this is a long play to have to install a new queen for next year. This is very House of Dragons. Yeah, absolutely. Usurpers. Uh, also, if, you, if you go to the website, she's still on it, I think. I think this is the same woman from the article. So... It's not, she hasn't been completely erased, but I, I, I'm worried about her reign 
One I'm thing wearing... that's really funny about the article is they like refer to like the royals. Like they're like, yes. the royals are not allowed to do this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so I mean, like, brought, brought roast uh, royalty. Two things. Royalty. Huge shout to Emily for sending this to us. This is one of my favorite stories. I always love controversy and heists. And I feel like she's being stolen of her right as the queen of the Broadway Festival. And then to get more information, I called the writer of the article, Lou. And Lou said she doesn't know much about it. It's actually Jerry's story, but Jerry's on vacation. So I called Jerry. She gave me Jerry's number, but Jerry didn't pick up. She's probably on vacation right now. And I told Jerry to call the Stu 138 line and give us a follow-up any more details. So we'll be keeping an eye on this one moving forward. And so will Lou and Jerry. We, yeah, we definitely will. I just looking at the um like the entertainment like of the schedule from the previous one this past August. Mm. And on the first night of the festival, like the queen gets like really like center stage. There's the queen's pageant. Of course. Um, it's the main event on the first night, Thursday, of the of this event. So I'm just wondering if they're really trying to push someone new. I mean, I, I think we have to keep an eye out and be emotionally prepared for a new queen next year. Well, I think Abigail should um she deserves her throne. And She's I'll get some more information. Back. She's got to fight back. She does. All right. Next story. This was one that I've always really wondered and like discussed a lot in my life. I love this. When you say discussed, you mean with yourself. Just want to be clear. <laughs> with myself. And then also as a camp counselor, it came up a lot, like okay. in terms of like keeping the kids in line. <laughs> okay. I love this question. This is the question that the New York Times posed and then went on to kind of answer. Is it better to brush your teeth before breakfast or after? Now. Logic would tell me after. I mean, don't you want to get rid of like as much together at like one time? Like, should, mm. wouldn't you really need to brush your teeth twice? What did you think it was, Jacoby? So I am a brush immediately person because no matter how intensely I brush the night before, I get a funky mouth over the course of the evening. Of course. So I wake does, up yeah. with that terrible funky mouth taste and I just want it out of there as soon as possible. So I generally hit the bathroom first thing, brush. But then if you're thinking about this scientifically, which we do because we're scientists and journalists here at Food News, it makes so much more sense to eat breakfast and then brush. However, I don't always eat breakfast. Okay. And sometimes I do like a cup of coffee and an orange juice sort of a breakfast. So I left perplexed by this. Well, that's because there's no definitive answer. This is classic. This is New York Times does this all the time. I know. Whenever there's a question mark in a headline, they could write as many words as they want, but there's still no answer within those words. Here's what they said. There's no consensus in the literature. There's no proof either either way. So all the arguments are largely theoretical. It's highly debated and ultimately may not make a significant clinical difference. do Do you, everybody? It really just adds a third brush to my day, which I don't have, I don't have the capacity for that. Ever since I switched to an electric toothbrush, I like brushing my teeth much, much more. It feels much cleaner and much more efficient. Julia, wait until you kick it up a notch. With what? Two words. Water pick. Oh yeah, water pick. Game changer. (laughs) Game changer. When I got my water pick, my dentist said, shout to Butch, went to college with him. He's like, brush your teeth first. And okay. then water pick and then rinse and see how much stuff was left behind after brushing. Oh, wow. Game changing. Okay. All right. Game so you also have to get a water pick. Shit. Okay. Yeah. You cool. need one. Not cheap, these things. Not cheap. I know. Even an electric toothbrush minutes. these days, like 45 bucks. <laughs> I know. And my electric toothbrush this morning uh, was uncharged. I couldn't find the charger. Oh, Guess what? No. But it's like an escalator. Shout to Mitch Hedberg. It, it turns into a toothbrush. Guess I know. what? Still a also, toothbrush. Also, 
you can you must have not charged in a long time because you can go a long time without a charge actually like oh, yeah. you can go like a week without a charge yeah it's a great it's oh, just great, great invention great product all right one more story i don't even know where to go to with this one another oh, heist well, I mean, let's let's rapid fire a few stories okay okay Number one, more people are turning cheap wine into Bordeaux, okay? This one's been going on since 2013. Five people got arrested, and they made 4.6 million bottles of wine during that span, right? But then it says they only made $4 million. Are they selling 70-cent bottles of wine out there? What is happening? <laughs> I, I don't know. Also, I, the, the concern about like our whole region is going to be you know, disgrace. It's not true. It's like, it's fine. Have, have pride in your individual product, man. It's, yeah. it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's cool. Next. Did you see the movie Julie and Julia? Of course not. I read about you, this story and it's a Nora Ephron movie. I don't think that any <laughs> Nora Ephron movies actually exist. I've, I've never heard of this movie before. I've never heard of this movie before. Did you get a lot of flack for not knowing who Nora Ephron is? I got, you know, a couple texts. Like couple texts. from Kevin? No. Uh, oh. Remember, it comes to mind, someone who texted me <laughs> a couple of tweets. Well, Julie and Julie is a great movie written by Nora Ephron. The woman who was based on Julie Powell, she died. And it's really yeah. tragic. I feel for her, her friends and her family. But I just want to note, no article says what happened. And so I just am like... Cardiac arrest. Her husband. What happened? Her husband said it was cardiac arrest. Oh, he did. That wasn't yeah. coming out at first. Oh, yeah. my bad. Yeah. Uh, well, that's really sad. I wonder... That is sad. I don't know. That's just... It's just weird. Great weird. story, just, though. Weird. I encourage people to read this story because she was like down on her luck, like an administrative assistant trying to like, get most into the people, publishing world. Most people don't need to read the story because they saw the movie Julie and Julia <laughs> and they know about her. Just <laughs> <laughs> throwing that out there. This movie doesn't exist. I've never, I've heard of Sleepless in Seattle. People love You're that like, movie. I've heard of You've Got Mail. People love that. These are films that people love that I haven't seen. Julia and Julia is not a, not a film that people love. I'm not even sure it's an actual, it's an actual film, to be honest with you. Three incredibly decorated actors are in it. Meryl Streep. Amy Adams and Stanley Tucci. Like this is a, and you're like, wow, what an interesting story. And it's like, yeah, fucking <laughs> it's a cinematic like a good story. Movie. I love all three of those people. <laughs> they made a movie. <laughs> you're you're the best, Jacoby. Um, lastly, New York Times had another trend piece. New York's hottest club is the Moynihan Train Hall, and I've been, and I agree. I, I agree. The bar for and it. the Moynihan, yeah, the Moynihan, the Moynihan Train Hall bar. Is awesome. I've been there. I had a chopped salad there, which was even mentioned in this article. Something that happens. It is a great place. It seems like a spot for many first dates. Great idea. Easy exit. Easy great to get idea. to. Like so many and reasons to be. Oh, my train. I gotta go. You like, get great turnover at bars, and airports, watching, yeah. and train halls, or whatever. You don't get stuck to next to some person who just wants to like talk about the Cowboys or something. Like it's just like you get lots and lots of turnover, lots of interesting faces, lots of food options. Moynihan Train Hall is definitely the hottest club in New York City. I co-signed that. It definitely is. I, I think this is like, this is great. I'm happy for everyone involved. Me too. All right. Taste test time. All right, everybody. It's time for our taste test. This yes. was inspired by a listener. I just want to say hello and thank you to Hannah, who's a nurse in Madison, Wisconsin. She's been organizing taste tests with her colleagues. And, you know, in honor of that, we are going to continue to do a taste test. We inspired her first, but today it's a special one. 
It's Jacoby. Do you want to say what it is? Yes, it's a food news follow-up from last week. Both you and I discussed the McRib's farewell tour, like the rolling stones of the food world. They just keep yeah. going on farewell tours. And we both acknowledge that neither of us have ever really had a McRib sandwich. Never. So now Never. we we're both have McRib. McRibs and we're having <laughs> McRibs. I'm coming in. I Okay, first upon opening the box, there's a scent yes. that hits you that is like... Very heavy barbecue sauce. Very heavy barbecue sauce, but it's just kind of got like a, a little hint of kind of wet sock vibes. You know what I mean? Like it's not the most totally. appetizing scent it's, in the world. Honestly, I, I, I ordered mine in because I have COVID. It's really a, messy. As a control test, I just want to say that I went to one of those kiosks where you can customize your food a little bit and I asked for extra mm. pickles and extra onions. So keep that in mind. I think I would have asked for extra pickles as well had I known that was an option. The onions in mine are like just raw onions. What about yeah. you? Yeah, same exact thing. Raw onions. So like, why don't they cook those? Like, shouldn't like... Oh, oh, I'm huge raw onion overcooked onion person. Really? Huge. I like the cooked onion. <laughs> I, whenever it's like a burger with caramelized onions, I'm like, why are we adding sugar to onions? Like, why can't you just cut the onion and put it on my burger? Well, it's because it's natural caramelization when you heat it up. Mm. No, thank That's you. That's so good. No, thank you. All right, you. well... Should we take a bite? Yeah, big By time. the way, I just want to note for the record, though I have COVID, did not lose taste or smell. I so know. I was going be... to ask that. So you um, bite first while I fill. One of the things that's always bothering me about the McRib is the lack of bones or even like hints at bones or even like pulled rib meat that maybe we had this bones. They shape it like a rib that you would get just with no bones. Um, that's one of my problems here. I'm going for my bite. There's so much barbecue sauce. That like I feel like I could be eating anything. It's a really sloppy barbecue sauce, and the texture just like doesn't taste like meat. Like you tell me, this is like an impossible McRib, and I yeah. would believe you. However, mm-hmm. that being said, it is McDonald's processed odd mystery meat slathered in sauce with onions and pickles on a bun, and it works. Yeah, it's I- not bad. Didn't expect to go for a second bite. You've already gone for your second bite, which is a really good indicator on the food news taste test section I feel of how we feel. Usually that's true, but it was more like I feel like I didn't taste anything because it's just so generic fast food. But if you're in a pinch, it's good. I mean, if you like barbecue sauce, you're basically eating barbecue sauce. Mm. Barbecue sauce. Okay. Um, All right. I'm, so I'm, so I'm starting, like a medium on this. I won't miss it once it's gone. I'm starting. It's starting to turn on me. I just had to close the box and put it in the bag. It's and so then much barbecue sauce. Close the bag because looking at the meat made me feel a little weird. A burger is like sort of ground beef that's kind of processed in the first place. Yeah. A chicken sandwich at McDonald's at least recognizes maybe a chicken breast. This is kind of like what. Artificial grape flavor is to a grape. Two completely right. different things. I feel like they just put so much... Uh, I'm having a fry now because I needed a palate cleanser. Yeah, of course. Um, Everyone uses French fries for those. I feel like they just put so much barbecue sauce on this that like nothing... There's like, see, it's it's a rib sandwich. But like, it's just, it's just a barbecue sauce on top of something. Like, would this be that different than just putting on top of a chicken sandwich? I would rather have the McDonald's chicken sandwich with barbecue sauce than have the McRib. Now I know why the McRib is always limited. Because it's not that good? It's not that good. So if it was always there, it would not sell. (laughs) You know, it's kind of like I always say pistachio ice cream. It's like, yeah, pistachio ice cream is delicious, but there's so many other options there for you that you will never try it. So that is why I now know why they do limited runs of this sandwich. I have a question. Yeah. 
is there something wrong with us? We didn't like the Mexican pizza and we didn't like the McRib. And we can't even blame it on this sitting around for a long time because... The Mexican pizza might have fallen to that, but this, we tried to counter that by eating it immediately, pre-taping the taste test section. Yeah. Still don't like it. Yeah. I don't think anyone likes the McRib. I'm confused by this. Call call in and, and let us know why you like the McRib because we don't get it. And of course, the number to call is 646 and then seven other numbers. Well, Jacoby, I'm glad you said that. I took a long time looking at my keypad on my phone today and I tried to come up with a word that would make sense with food news. <laughs> I didn't get that far because of the number, but you can now call. This is great. This is better than Wordle. You're about to be a billionaire. <laughs> 646. Stew, like what you might have for dinner. 138. 646. Stew 138. Stew. S-T-E-W. 138. Like I'm having a stew. I love it. I love it. Great job. That's not bad. That's not bad. I'll try to workshop it before next week. Okay. Perfect. Um, should we go into personal food news and then we'll do the rest of our show? Yes. All right. Can I go first? I just like, I guess I love talking about myself because I almost like 95% of the time asked to go first. I know you always ask though. Like, I think it's just like, now it's sort of part of the format that you go first on (laughs) personal food news and it's totally fine. (laughs) I'm cool with it. Like, don't even overthink it. Your first personal food news go. Okay. I just got back from Mexico City where I attended the Mexico Grand Prix. Mm, Sounds like a great place to get COVID. It was a great place to get COVID. I've been referring to my COVID case as the tax for attending the Mexico City Grand Prix. It's like, (laughs) you had a great time and now you're paying the tax. And you know what? I'm fine with it. I got through, I got through level uh, entry really quickly. So like, I deserve it, right? Like I had no no airport problems coming back from an international destination. So anyway, I went to Mexico City. Two things. Mexico City is known for having great food. Mm. Um, it does. I was just there a few months ago. So like I, I really was focused on the, on the racing and on the Grand Prix and Formula One. So I wasn't as focused on food. However, I did walk past this one bakery called Pastelaria Esperanza. It's um, in like in between Reforma and Roma. Those are two neighborhoods. And the first time I walked past it, I had just had breakfast. So I couldn't get anything. But I had like 30 minutes before having to go to the airport. And I was like, the only thing I want to do with these next 30 minutes in Mexico City <laughs> is go back to that bakery. And I took an Uber and I bought three things. I brought one home with me and I ate the next day. I had one on the plane and then I had one when I got home for dinner, like oh, really late, basically. Good thing you didn't go to Australia because we, you'd be in jail right now for like 10 years. I know. <laughs> Jacoby, it was so good. And just like, you know, when you find a place, you're just like, this is where I belong. Like, this is what I should be doing. Mm. That's how I felt in this bakery. It was, it was just the, it was fucking delicious. They had the, the best thing I got was this, like, it looked like a hostess cupcake on the outside. But on the inside, it was like a lighter, less dense chocolate cake, then with a thin layer of jam, and then a fairly relatively thick layer of like cream, like marshmallowy cream. And then it was covered with chocolate frosting, like a hostess cupcake. And it was so good. I've been thinking about it for 48 hours. It was fucking incredible. Um, so if you're in Mexico City, it's not, you're not going to find this on one of your hip travel guides, like for hipsters who go to Mexico City, but mm. Pastelaria Esperanza is really fucking good. Can we go back to the part where you say that it's where you belong? Like, what, what about this? You're like, <laughs> this is like my place. This is where I belong. A bakery in Mexico City. I found it. <laughs> I just felt like a sense of peace there. I was mm. like, there's so much for me to eat here. And um, the day before, actually, I'd gotten trapped in the bathroom because the lock on the door broke. But I was like, so chill because I was so happy to be there. I was like, yeah, they'll figure it out. It's fine. We'll get to the Grand Prix. <laughs> like, and they did figure it out. It was fine. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. It was awesome. And then number two, 
an amazing Grand Prix experience. If you can go to a Grand Prix, like you should, it is so much fun. It's like entering a different world. It's like they, it's like the, Brian Rosillo said this on his pod. It's like they put on the Super Bowl, but they do it in a different country every weekend. Like it's wild how, like, how amazingly well run it is. Plus, like, I got to be really close to the cars, had a lot of food and drink. It was awesome. And then there was one thing that really confused me. There was like, everything in Formula One is sponsored. So there was like the Heineken tent and like a lot of Heineken signage. I had a Heineken, hadn't had one in a really long time. Good beer. Mm. Um, then I had some like sparkling wine and you know how like champagne is from champagne in France mm-hmm. and Asti is from Italy. This was Ferrari sparkling wine. And I was really confused because I was like, is this, does Ferrari, the car company and like the team also make wine? Like, how is this happening? And it turns out, there's a sparkling wine in Italy called Ferrari Tiento. And I was just like, how can that possibly be? And then I was Googling it and there's been like like legal disputes over who owns Ferrari and whatnot. Um, And it was just really shocking to me. So sorry, it's called Ferrari Trento. And I had never heard it before, but it's like kind of baller to have like Ferrari champagne. I like that. I wonder if their last name is Ferrari and they're like, you're suing me over using my last name for my job. That's kind of what I feel like happened there. Yeah, probably. I mean... I don't even know, but whatever. It's a, it's nice, and you know, at the end of each race, they like shake champagne and stuff, and they they pour on each other, like they've just won the NBA Finals. But they do that every week. It's Ferrari. It's this Ferrari sparkling wine. So I don't know. I didn't notice it before, but hey, there you go. Um, I also went on a culinary trip myself. Mm-hmm. I went mm-hmm. to Detroit, Michigan. Oh and, yeah, um, how'd that go? It was great. Uh, not necessarily the same sort of food scene as Mexico City. However, I just <laughs> wanted to mention the prevalence of hot dogs in the Midwest is something I had forgotten since I've last glizzies? been there. The glizzies, glizzies in the Midwest. So many glizzy opportunities everywhere. Get off the airport. Coney Island glizzies. They call them Coney Islands there. It's a long thing. I've never gotten down to the end of it, but like I'm sure there's some of sort of... Because the original yeah, Nathan's is be in that. Coney Island. Someone calls them... They call them Coney's there, whatever it is. Okay. But just the opportunity to have a glizzy at any given time and the the variety of different toppings and all of just the just the pure glizzosity of my Detroit weekend was was a little jarring. And I put down a few glizzies during my trip. What, are your, what were your toppings? I um, relish... And raw onion. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So um, you just really, you go really hard on the raw onion. Yes. I have a follow-up on our food news follow-up. Okay. Does your tummy feel a little weird? Because mine feels a little weird. <laughs> I'm fine right now, okay. but I have COVID. So who knows? Okay, like yeah. I'm, I'm fine relative to having COVID. Great. <laughs> uh, let's listen to a couple of listener food news. People who called our number 646-783-9138, AKA Stu 138. Stu 138. That's correct. <laughs> We're going to listen to two. Mike, hit it. Hi, Julia and Jacoby. This is Austin from Los Angeles. My wife and I just had twins and it's an absolute nightmare. As uh, Jacoby, you know, having two kids is hard. I know you have more than that, but two kids at the same time is kind of utter chaos. But my question to you two is, what is a good meal that you can eat in less than three minutes? Because that's about the window of time that my wife and I have at any given meal to actually enjoy. Wow. Okay, I'll take this one. Um, Austin, a couple things. You have longer than three minutes to eat. Here's what you need to do. Double stroller. Take off taking walks. Long walks with babies is always a good move because they're quiet, they're happy, you're happy, and one of the two of you gets like 45 to an hour's worth of time alone to do whatever they need to do. So that's number one suggestion. Number two suggestion, those Bobo bars, you know what I'm talking about? 
No. They're kind of like Cliff Bars, but they're made by a company called Bobo. Like, I kind of like those, like, ready-made meals, like a Cliff Bar sure. or a Luna yeah. Bar. I guess Lunas are, like, a genetically, I don't know, like, they're built for women or pH balanced for women or whatever. I'm like, I'm eating this. <laughs> I'm it's sure delicious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, sure like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I, I'm very comfortable in my masculinity. I eat a Luna Bar. It's delicious. So that, that would be, I would say granola bars, slices of pizza. Buy a pizza mm, and then just pizza, warm one up. Yeah. That would be my suggestion to you, Austin. And what about cereal? Jacoby, where are you on cereal? Well, another thing that Austin's going to learn is cereal really, really re-enters your life when you become a dad. You know what mm. I mean? So I've got multiple boxes of options at all times, and I'm not afraid to have a little cereal for dinner. You know, not I love cereal. That's why. I, that's why I brought it up. I think cereal yeah. for dinner can really be great two sometimes. Minutes. I think so too. Good luck, Austin. You're going to crush it. I'm sure it'll be hard at first, but it'll get better. Let's listen to another voicemail. Hi, this is Nick from Amsterdam uh, oh. in the Netherlands. Uh, long time, first time. Uh, related to that story about people throwing soup on Van Gogh's, you can actually look at this New York Times article from August, August 10th. The title is, These Groups Want Disruptive Climate Protests. Oil Heirs Are Funding Them. Basically, it's uh, there's a theory that this is, actually funded to make make environmental protests look more silly and stupid by the companies that are that would benefit from that. Anyway, uh might want to look into it as uh, good news follow up. Um anyway, big fan of the podcast. Thanks a lot. Wow. Holy shit. I Honestly, can't I, I believe it. I don't I know if it. I'm more surprised that he told us what country Amsterdam was in. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Number two, um Maybe he's wanted to clarify it wasn't Amsterdam are Avenue. Are we getting double diced by oil heirs? Is that what's really happening? Like, here we are talking about how dumb these climate change protests are, and we're falling into the trap laid by oil heirs? And are they having meetings, coming up with strategies to hire people to get arrested so food news will come? I, what is happening? This, What is happening? I also, how he kind of, like, he kind of, like, sunned us. He was like, maybe you should look into yeah, that a little maybe, bit more. Yeah, maybe before you journalistically discuss these topics, you should do a little bit of research. But I love the pod. Especially since, long I think, time. We, think we talked about that article. So thanks a lot, man. Ouch. <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> I, do, I do, too. I'm calling Nick. from New York City in New York State in America. He thinks we're really dumb. <laughs> he does. He not only he just thinks we seconds. don't know where Amsterdam is, he also thinks that we're being double-diced by oil heirs who are hiring people to throw soup at Van Gogh's, and maybe he's right. Love I that I think caller. that one's kind of true. I, I mean, I, I could believe that, so I, I'm not willing to rule that out. Um, keep calling us, people. Don't forget, 646-STU-138. That's your number. That's the Food News Hotline. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much to Mike Wargon for producing this episode. Jacoby and I will be back next week. Thank you for doing it COVID style. <laughs>